you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Happy Halloween, everyone. Thank you for tuning in on the spookiest of days. We're concluding our mini-series, 13 Nights of Halloween, with a bang. Jennifer, the host of Haunted Happenstance and a contributor to our fun collaboration on homicidal sleepwalkers in episode 34, will be sharing a horrifying, vivid nightmare she had of an inky black figure looming over her bed as she slept. Her storytelling abilities and attention to detail really bring this terrifying tale to life. Stay with us as we hear more about this eerie paranormal experience from Jennifer. And remember, have a very happy, spooky, and safe Halloween. I'm Jaden McKell, and you're listening to Straight Up Enigmas. Whenever John and I travel, we have a compromise in place. We pick places we both want to go, but it's always got a quote, spirit in spirit, end quote, component. I get to check out something spooky while we're there. He comes along, it is a good sport. And then he gets to check out a distillery, brewery, winery, etc. And I go along and try to be a good sport as well. This particular trip was one of our most epic in terms of both kinds of spirits. We did the Bourbon Trail in Kentucky, and it was such a wonderful trip. I'll spare you the minutia, but if you like bourbon or ghosts, definitely get it on your bucket list. Okay, on to the scary part. Near the end of our week-long trek, we spent a night in Bardstown, Kentucky. It's a classic American small town, it has a ton of history, and we're able to enjoy a lot of it while we stayed there. We spent the night in Bardstown at the Old Jailer's Inn. It's not just a clever name. The building was the original town jail, and it still has all of the original cells in the back part of the building. One is even available to rent for the night. But as you can imagine, the quarters there aren't so luxurious. So John and I opted to stay in the front part of the building, which, although the structure is more inn-like, this space doesn't have a very glamorous past either. In fact, it's pretty dark. The front rooms had several different uses over time. Some were used as courtrooms, some were temporary holding cells, some were administrative offices, and some were even the living quarters for the jailer and the sheriff at the time. It's an impressive building overall. It has exposed limestone walls, and they're between two to three feet thick at varying points. And the room where we spent the night? 
although well appointed with the colonial period sleigh bed, writing desk, lovely time-appropriate wall stenciling and decor, and even a non-suite bathroom, it also still had hooks and rings on the walls and floors for where prisoners, and most often runaway slaves, were kept chained. Needless to say, it didn't really matter how nice the drapes and heavy rugs were when you knew what lay beyond them. The evening of our stay, we had dinner next door at the Old Talbot Tavern, which first opened in 1779, and it has its own super haunted past. Maybe more on that another time. After filling our bellies with delicious local fare, we were beat from a long day of travel, and we retired early for bed. I slept fitfully and kept having absolutely horrifying dreams. Not the kind of scary dreams with ghosts and murderers. No, worse. I kept waking up from terribly, emotionally damaging dreams, the kind of real-life stuff of nightmares. Finding out your dear friends have betrayed you. I dreamt that my grandmother had gone missing. I even dreamt that John had been cheating on me. And each and every time, I would wake up short of breath and so distraught. But more than that, I felt really, really uncomfortable in the room. I would wake up each time, but I'd keep my eyes closed. I would wait that extra second to know that I was in fact awake, and that that miserable experience was in fact just a dream and not real. But then, as soon as I was lucid enough to realize that, I was overcome with an oppressive, real-life fear. I knew that if I opened my eyes, I would see someone across the room in the corner. So... Like every well-adjusted, rational adult, especially one who seeks out allegedly haunted locations, I just kept my eyes closed, clenched closed, and would will myself to fall back to sleep. It's worth noting that I'm a miserable sleeper every night, and normally I would just put on a bedside light and read for a bit to tire my eyes. But nope, not this time. I was not exposing my vulnerable, fleshy arm to the out-from-the-cover safety or subjecting my eyes to the horrors that were surely lurking in the low light. This worked most of the night. Sure, I didn't sleep, and my emotions were wrecked, but I also never saw anything. About four o'clock in the morning, I woke again, startled, and even with my eyes closed, I could tell that the slightest glow of daybreak was starting to illuminate the room from outside, and, without thinking, I opened my eyes. I was lying on my back, and above the bed was this wooden plank ceiling. It was the underside of the wooden floor of the attic above us, and there, in the green and knots, was a dark, angry shadow of a man. It was just his head and shoulders, his hair was a bit disheveled, and everything about him was some shade of charcoal-colored mist. His eyes were the deepest gray, all but black, and he was screaming, his mouth and face contorted, furious, desperate, but there was no sound. 
I could breathe, but when I went to sit upright, I couldn't. His eyes widened and his silent screaming so clearly turned to devious hysterics. He was delighting in my frozen state of torture and terror. I finally had the sense to scream myself, and in doing so, John woke up and threw his hand toward me. And as soon as it touched my shoulder, I sprang up, mechanically, and without an ounce of resistance. I looked back up, and the man's face was gone. John was sitting up now, concerned, and asked if I had had a nightmare. Was I okay? I did that thing where you're both nodding, but also shaking your head no at the same time, and I just told them I hadn't been sleeping well, and that I swore I just saw a man hovering in the ceiling. John looked up at that moment and said, Oh yeah, look, you can totally see a face in the knots. So I looked back up, and he was right. You could vaguely make out a face in the pattern of the wood. Problem was, that wasn't where I had seen my creepy AF guy. I laid back down, and I felt miserable. I felt like, sick and scared and so many emotions that, honestly, I didn't think they were mine. John checked the time and sighed. Then he looked at me and said, Ugh, I had the worst dreams all night, one after another after another, and more than one of them, you were cheating on me. I just nodded. I didn't want to relive all that I had been forced to live through the night before, so we turned on the TV and just sort of waited for the morning to start officially. At breakfast, our innkeeper asked how everyone slept. Yes, this is one of those B&Bs where everyone sits together at one long table at the same time with your host and schmoozes. Stuff of my dreams, stuff of John's real-life nightmares. The other couples all regaled the innkeeper with their lovely nights of sleep, how comfortable the mattresses were, how luxurious the sheets were, how this was the best flipping honeydew melon they'd ever had. You know these people. They used to be teacher's pets. Anyway, John and I were silent. John most often is. But you may have guessed, I'm most often not. But as my grandma always says, if you don't have anything non-haunting to say, <laughs> I'm just kidding, she's never said that. But it's something she totally would say. Okay. So the innkeeper noticed that we'd been silent and casually asked if we'd had a good night. And I told him the room was very nice. Thank you. He sort of smirked, but he left it at that. As we were all clearing our plates, he made sure to remind us all that each room had a guest book and to be sure to sign or write a little note before we left. And then he added, Jennifer, you should really read through yours. I think you'd get a kick out of it. And so, I spent close to an hour reading through the guest book in our room. All of the chronicled stories of the guests before us who had had strange, eerie, scary things happen, and how many of them had horribly fitful nights of sleep. No thanks to the bed, so much as to the atmosphere, so to speak. Oh, one other thing I found out in doing a little research while we were still on site. Our room also had one other purpose when the building was still in active jail. 
It's where the families of the to-be-executed would spend the night before their loved ones were hanged in the courtyard behind the jail. I can't imagine why that space was so filled and fraught with high emotion, tortured feelings of horror and outright fear. And, of course, the answer is yes. I would stay there again, in that very room, in a heartbeat, 